And we're back. We're back. All this noise. Welcome back to the podcast, us. Oh, thanks, Valerie. <laughs> you got to state my name so people know, you know. Sorry, I just said us. I figured that would cover it. Chad and Val. Yeah, welcome Chad back. and Val. Welcome back. Uh, this was a great episode. We recorded here at Icon Collective with Glenn Hahn, a.k.a. Glenjamin. Yes. Um, a, a figure that I have a very close uh, fondness for in terms of his work. But also 100%. just like a a, a, a homie, just yeah. straight up homie. If you don't know who Glenn is, um, I would highly recommend looking him up on Instagram. He is an amazing photographer, videographer, content capturer of many sorts. But he's kind of a guy that's been through eras of dance music, specifically Bloghouse, which we spent a ton of the episode mm-hmm. kind of walking down memory lane with him and hearing some of his really amazing stories of his journey and how he came up. But I think it's really amazing. Like now we get to look back on an era of music and actually talk to someone who really was like the historian of the time. Yes. And he's obviously got amazing stories and advice and insight. So yeah, we love talking to people on the show who actively helped shape the culture and Glenn, you know, he was the eyes and ears, uh, the every man's view into what it was like, um, to be on tour with Justice, to be on stage at, at Hard Summer. and To have dinner with Daft Punk. To have dinner with Daft Punk. That is also another <laughs> little little, uh, little insider story that we, we heard on this episode. We hope you like it. Yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorites so far, and glad we had a chance to welcome Glenn in. Yeah, enjoy. Enjoy. I've only lived in LA County my whole life. Mm, yeah, so. me too. Yeah, you both. That's yeah. crazy. Well, it's because I'm like tethered to my family who all live in like Glendale, Arcadia, Pasadena area. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's sort of cool that like luckily when they emigrated to America, they chose like LA. Mm-hmm. And I'm like psyched. And then I'm just, I don't think I would ever leave LA because like. Well, apparently not. I'm never going to leave LA. Like I'll travel a grip, but I'll like always love the feeling of flying back to LAX like seeing like the ocean near like Marina Del Rey landing and shit because I'm just like this is like this is my home like I I love New York I love Paris yeah I love like Miami I love Japan like you know I love all those places a lot while I'm there like if I were to stay there for like three months I would love it you know but I just there's no feeling of like coming back yeah home where like my weed is here. Like, you know, like <laughs> everything is just like chilling. Like the second thing you mentioned. I yeah, always right clean. Yeah, yeah. So I want to know before we move on to other yeah. more relevant. We don't want to talk about LA for like. No, I do. I want to <laughs> hear Glenn's top Koreatown recommendation. Oh, that I feel is. Like yeah, you're like a like, perfect person to ask. That okay, like that's trippy though because everyone always asks me what's your favorite Korean place. I can only give you like my favorite like fancy place to meet people like or a Korean barbecue <laughs> place where you meet people because like. Any other time I want Korean food, I just go home. I was gonna say, I guess you know, you just it's just go like it's <laughs> always like, you know, like I, sometimes I don't want to eat Korean barbecue because like I'll go to a Korean barbecue at home in Glendale Fair. and eat so much Korean barbecue and like take home like four <laughs> slices of like that so short rib. F- that's honestly the most and a, and genuine rice answer. And that was one of the best answers. I, yeah, yeah I so add. it's just like yeah. I wish I had like. I mean, you're like my mom's house. That's the best recommendation. You know, like classic Korean barbecue places like Supple Jeep or, uh, fucking, what's the other one? It's the one that has like, oh, Agashi Gopchang. 
Um, it's all the ones in quarters where that stuff is. Yep. Yeah. But those are like where all my non-Korean friends want to link, but I'll take them to like a a good one, you know? Yeah. yeah. But in terms of like the oh, I mean, there's one like sort of hood kind of Korean place called like Digolmok. Okay. DGM. You ever go there? Uh. Uh-uh. It's like Digolmok means like back alley. So it's like design. It looks like it's Love all it scribbled already. in like Korean graffiti. <laughs> like oh wait, I think yes, I have been there. It's, it's like really dark. Yeah, it's really dark. Super dark. And it's just late like night little place. Bo- like wooden booths. Yes, I've definitely like, been there. Just like concentric staircase. They have little wooden, wooden menus. Yeah, yeah. It's a wooden menu and it's all in Korean. I wasn't raised in K Town. I went to church every week though. Where like I have to say, I met all my like K Town hood rat friends at church. Yep. And they took me around. I <laughs> love that. Like, I used to go when I was, like, six. I had a fake ID when I was 16. Oh and go out to, like, players and renaissance, like, um, billiards clubs where, like, bro, I'm 16. I look like a fetus. <laughs> and I'm just, like, drinking shots of Crown Royal with my, like, stupid Jinko pants. And, like, <laughs> shaved, like, you know, shaved up and, like, spiked hair. So, like, bro, we lived Fast and the Furious before Fast oh and the Furious. Oh, my God. That's true. That's that's a good place to start with uh, with Glenn. Welcome, thank you. (laughs) I can't wait. Wait, so I'm interested uh, now that we're here on the topic. Sixteen years old, right? So when did what was your entry into the music world? Uh, I mean, I listened to music, but I was mostly like around in high school. I was like a like an emo kid, more like power pop punk. Like I really liked Weezer and Jimmy World and stuff like that. Right? Yeah. Like I would drive to the Glass House and see a lot of like indie bands like Rilo Kylie and Postal Service and stuff like that back in the day, right? Yeah. But I never had like a vibe for dance music or anything like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I can honestly say like my entry point into that world where like we're all like in now, Daft Punk, 2006, Coachella. That's it. Like literally, I didn't care about dance music. I didn't know about like DJs. I never went to clubs. Like I really didn't really go to clubs. If I went out, I went to, like, a concert, wore my, like... Or band. Yeah, and, like, saw a band and then, you know, got drunk with my Armenian friends in Glendale that weren't, like, tapped into the culture like that. You know, yeah. like... Yeah, Um, And I was, like, pretty... Living in Glendale, though, it's, like, you just stay in Glendale, kind of, you know? Yeah. Um, And I didn't really drive a lot, so I wasn't, like, you know, trying... To, I wasn't, like, trying to go out. Like, I, I was honestly, a, like, a huge nerd. I was, like, I don't want to, like ruin my GPA like I don't want to do all this stuff like one time my friends in high school came over to my apartment and they were like oh your mom's gone can, can we come over and like smoke weed and I was like absolutely not like I was like absolutely not like no way and I'm like now totally not like that you know but now it's like, the second thing on your reasons why you can't move yeah yes. totally. oh my gosh. Uh, wait so that's so interesting uh, for me Daft Punk was the entry point too the 06 Coachella yeah watching it on grainy youtube and then seeing them in 07 so glenn and i in that regard like i'm in the same thing where it's like i was into indie bands and i was into underground hip-hop like mf doom and stuff yeah that that too like rock the bells kind of stuff i was like all in the backpack hip-hop world yeah yeah it was just that like for me at the time you know it was like you're asian you're like do i fit in this weird dance world you know but at the time time. it wasn't really an asian culture no. thing i never asked you glenn about that right. it really was the french right that opened up the yeah, gateway I mean, and you were a fan yeah I, I mean i approached that as like bro i was there and i i saw daft punk and then i made like a conscious decision to just go to these like 
like clubs that I read about on in Vice magazine, mm-hmm. and because like Vice Records and Steve stuff was all like Cinespace was, a huge thing. was like yeah. a whole thing with like the whole block party release and all that stuff they did. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go there, but I would just pull up by myself, just like wait in line, like, and I have to in like full honesty, it was like you know like in Vice, it's like when you're just so impressionable during that era, you're like, I want to be a do and not a don't. You know, like you try to wear <laughs> something that fits into the era. Bruh. I wore like a fedora it. for like three years <laughs> no. straight. It was on my business card to look up my photos in my first batch of business cards I ever made. And You're I trying was to make like, the fedora I thing? was just like, oh, no, no. But I was like, this era though, it was like, the cobra snake looks like this. Steve looks like this. And I felt like everyone just had to look like sort of the same every time they went out. Yep. And I had to like, that was like, oh, you'll recognize me with the camera and this fedora and glasses. Well, no, I can agree. I can, I can attest to that because when I was young, when I was just breaking in, I saw like Frankie Chan doing I Heart Comic stuff and he had a look. Yeah. And and then all the people he hung out with had their looks like Cobra Snake. I mean, all terrible looks now. Terrible (laughs) looks. But we were like very dedicated to this terrible look. I thought they were so cool. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they were cool at the time. I just wanted to be like, I wanted to have my group with our looks. No, totally. Yes. Totally. I just wanted to like fit in because I was like an outlier. Like I grew up in Glendale, didn't have any club background. All these guys that like went to like Cinespace or went to these parties, like knew each other kind of, you know, like a lot of kids were like OC transplants that like ended up doing it big here and stuff like that. I was just like, hey, if I go there by myself, A, I'm not going to like have my friends that I grew up with like being like, yo, this shit's boring. I want to leave. You know, like that's off the table now. Like I didn't want to like have anyone rely on me for like how much fun they were having that night. I was like, I'm just going to go by myself. And I just like met people each night. Like the first night I went to Cinespace, I met Hassan Rahim and I met my friend Switch who were like my friends still like forever. And it was just like, those were my guys, you know? And then the next week I would meet like Dano and them jeans. And then like every week I would just be like dedicated to go every week just to go because I'm like, how will I get in? Cause like I'm also the guy that's like, always buying tickets like never on a guest <laughs> list like i don't know really what cool is well yeah trying to, like guest list pretend was, like i'm cool in yeah, a, in yeah. a cool environment mm. guest list wasn't what it is now it no. like back then it was like you had to earn that yeah. it wasn't like there wasn't this pseudo industry class you know yeah and i remember the first time i went to cinespace was in my freshman year of college uh i went 2000 early 2008, late 2007. I remember I showed up, I had like true religion jeans on and like a zip up jacket. And the guy looked at me, he's like, bro, are you serious? I was like, what? He's like, you ain't never been here before, huh? Bro, you gotta tighten it up. (laughs) I was like, okay. He's like, just get in there. He's like, what's that white t-shirt under there? Like zip that up, get in. Oh my God. So I walked in, the first person I saw, Mystery, the pickup artist. Oh! <laughs> it was a Tuesday. It was uh, Demac Tuesdays. But um, go peacocking, dude. That was <laughs> that was my first exposure to the culture in that context that Glenn's talking about. Where it was like every single person you're meeting here is of is going to affect what's going to be on the radio, you know, kind of indirectly in, yeah. in a year. Yeah, it was like when I went there, I was like trying to see the people I saw or heard about online in person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what basically going to a Cinespace or LAX was like, oh man, I really want to see like Busy P. And I met him there. I really want to see Justice. And I saw him there. I saw Mastercraft there, you know? And 
It was did you like, uh, did you go to the Tomas Bang Alter night when uh, he played at Cinespace? Homie, I filmed that video. That's, that's right. on YouTube. Bro. That's right. Well, I was gonna say so when you go. were going to these things, were you already bringing your camera? Yeah, because I was like, so honestly, the story with like shooting and all that stuff is yeah. Where does your photography story start? Like, I took like maybe like one photography class in high school. Other than that, I really didn't care. Okay, like I didn't <laughs> care. But one one day when I like graduated college, I went like backpacking in Europe, I was like, oh, I should buy like a little like Canon elf digital camera mm -hmm. and just take photos of my trip, you know? And then like something happened where it, like deleted everything on YouTube and I was like, all right, I'll just try it again. But when I went to Daft Punk at Coachella, mm -hmm. like I was at Coachella, I was like, I bought like extra batteries because like I'm at Coachella, I should really record some shit. And everything I tried to record was just the Daft Punk stuff. And then from that point on, I'm like, you know what, like, I'm not a guy that typically goes to any of this stuff. So nobody's going to believe me when I say, like, this happened or this happened. So being, like, the, the Korean nerd that I was, I was just like, I need to bring a camera to have evidence to, to support <laughs> my claims. <laughs> like, it wasn't about, like... That's the nerdiest reason ever. Yo, but, but day after day, I'm like, yo, every week some cool shit keeps happening and I need to keep filming it. And I was like, just all about it. And then I, after a certain point, I'm like, this is my job. Like, and I'm like, I'm not getting paid. But I, I recognized at the time how cool it was, how important was it was. And I felt like it was going to be s historically significant. Mm. So I was extremely dedicated to just showing up with a camera. But mind you, I had a real day job at the time. I worked at Disney for like Four years, okay? Okay. So when I started going to Cinespace and all that, I had a day job at Disney Online doing the, helping build websites for like the Jonas Brothers campaign, the Hannah Montana campaign, the wow. Hannah Montana 2 Meet Miley Cyrus campaign, <laughs> uh, Mitchell Musso and Corbin Blue webpages, like just, <laughs> like just utter, like Corbin Brothers? Blue webpage. <laughs> but that really like, that was my day job. They paid me well. Yep. Like the office was chill. I went, I got a free Disneyland pass. It was like a good job. Yeah. But at night I was like, yo, I need to do something else to like purge myself of like this fake music vibe. And I was like using these clubs as my outlet to be like, can I scrub this whole like Hannah high school Montana. musical day <laughs> out of my head and then like smoke a joint and listen to like justice with all these like wild kids and I was like, it was like a, like a cleansing every kind yeah. of day I went to that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's super interesting for those who don't know. Glenn is considered by many uh, as kind of the eyes and ears of the scene through that lens. I mean, for me personally, I will say from the very beginning, I was watching your videos before I even knew you. Yeah. And I remember one in particular is when you, because, uh, you know, Switch was your homie. Um, it was Major Laser Coachella 2010. Uh one of the wildest sets in Coachella history. It was in the Mojave tent. Mm. Scarab Boy had the ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic major laser material. Yeah. Um, but you were standing about 15 feet in front of me, getting a perfect center view on your camera. And there's this one point where you turned around and did a full like 360 shot. And I was right behind you like this. <laughs> and I just kept always showing people like I'm in this video. But Aww. it's like you're saying, no, like, but I had to show people I was there. No, no, like, you know was, what's you crazy know, though is proof. like, <laughs> I tried to develop my own like POV style of like going to a concert. Cause I just wanted people to feel like you're in my shoes. So like, if I like, Dap up someone, you see like a hand with like 
I'm dapping up justice, it feels like a kid knows justice or like mm. they feel like it. And I was trying to be like the huge, like, yo, I don't know any of these motherfuckers. <laughs> but I'm like really pushing it when I'm like trying to like DIY it. I'm trying to like fake it till you make it where you're like, I, I'm not with a magazine. I'm not this, but like I'm always trying to get on stage for some reason. <laughs> and it was just like, but I think the people that I like hang out with now, like Busy P, who I like looked up to, but he's like my like senpai kind of vibe because he always gave me a lot of advice growing up. But we met in a club and he just kept like letting me hang out. Like he put me on list. He let me like be a press for them. And it was all based on like, he had no idea what I was really doing, but he was like, he's harmless. You know, he's like, he's not tripping on the cords on stage. You know, like, <laughs> he's not like drunk acting all like a fool. Yeah. And I was always like conscious, like trying to be that guy. Like I was like, yo, I'm always gonna be like that guy that says like, hello to the security. I'm always gonna yeah. like say, be nice. Cause like, I don't want anyone to like think of me as like that thirsty guy that just wants footage and will like, Go out, just like, just not do the right things to get there, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm very, like, big about, like, being, like, respect. Like, we're Korean, like, you know, respect <laughs> is huge, you know? Yeah. Like, if they pulled that on me, I would get so angry. So, I'm like, I'm going to do it to prevent that ever. And there's many security guards or, like, stage hands or stage production managers from festivals. And the common story is, like, yo... Remember that time I like kicked you off stage and like choked you out and I'm like whatever I'm like yes I do and like now we're best friends you know and it's because like they didn't know it was up then they realized that every time I kept, came back even though I got kicked off <laughs> you built I was that trust you, there, though, you, know, like, you paid though. your dues built that trust I mean my style is very different though like I will fucking stick my camera in your face yeah while there's like 20,000 people in front of you but it's all based on trust though you know yeah. like I'll do that with, like, Diplo because, like, I met him, like, five years prior to that, you know? Mm. And he understands what I'm doing. I'm not, like, trying to... But that's also why I don't really shoot as much anymore. Because, like, it's, like, a whole different generation. Like, everyone has their own videographer. Right. Everyone has their own, like, crew. I mean, I was going to say a big part of, like, people getting into what you do, I think, that a lot of people don't understand from the beginning is a lot of it is just being a cool guy that people don't mind having around. Like you said, that's like, what being I wanted respectful. to be. From, yeah. a, from a guy growing up that like was never cool in high school <laughs> or never cool back then. And like, I was always like, yo, when am I going to go like do this save by the bell Saturday night with friends? And it's like, <laughs> or that can't hardly wait party or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It never existed. So I like, I really like actively tried to put myself out there after college and after my job to be like, you know what? I just got to find those friends, you know? And then I found them and then I like developed my own like confidence coming from like a background where like I have no, I have no expertise in any of this. When people are playing songs and like they leave a comment on my YouTube video, I'm like, I don't know. You know, I have no <laughs> idea what you're playing. I don't know the track names. I don't know anything. And like, I just liked being there. You know, and, and you I, have the good intent, I think. You really just wanted to document. Yeah. But I also wanted to, like, show this side of, like, an authentic... Like, none of my videos are, like, edited. Mm -hmm. They're, like, seven or five-minute chunks. of, And I always wanted to, like, show you how it really was. Like, there's no tricks. There's no, like, mm -hmm. cool, like, EDC fades and wipes of, like, someone beautiful, like, spiraling and dancing or whatever. I'm like, yo, you see that kid, like 
having the best time of his life right now. Sweating. It's real. Like it's real. Like yeah. Fucking this this guy like <laughs> at Daft it was Punk. Chad. You know like Chad like being like oh my god Daft Punk. It's because like you I was really trying to grab those moments, and then like after a while when I was starting to shoot on stage a lot, I would actively zoom in on like my favorite fans in the crowd because mm-hmm. I wanted them to have this moment as well. Yeah. Because you know? it was like, I'm not really hired to just shoot. I'm just hired to do whatever, kind of, you know? And I'm just like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And, you know, you may not like it right now, but, like, later on, that, like, moment is going to be, like, a Chad moment. Like, he keeps showing <laughs> his friends and, like... <laughs> and that, yeah. to me, is way cooler because it connects everyone to the real, like, moment. Yeah, you know? and I, I have to say, like, your hard summer videos, I think, for me, are really iconic. Um, especially cause like in 2013 and I know you have a relationship with Gary and stuff, but like, mm-hmm. that's when it started to really get big. Like yeah, when we, yeah. when they went to LA historic park, I think it was becoming the most important cultural electronic music brand in America at for a certain period. And I remember this, the, the videos you had on stage were so like, wow, I'm getting like access to what it's like to walk up on stage with RL Grime, who mm-hmm. at the time was like this, you know, meteoric guy. But then when we played Hard Summer Brownies Lemonade in 2018, you did videos for us too. And for me, I got to say, uh, just to, uh, a bit of a fanboy, I was like, this is like, at least I'll always have the Glenn video that I can document this moment. More than just like the super crazy recap. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. just like, I can remember the day now, what it was walking up backstage and the conversation and all that. I mean, thank you for saying stuff like that. Because like, honestly, like, that was my intent long time ago because... I always want to be like the second shooter. Like I don't want to be like the guy that that the the brands want this certain sh- like beauty shot or whatever. I'm like, bro, I want like I grew up on like Hunter S. Thompson, like Gonzo journalism, like shaky cam stuff. Yeah. Like to be honest, my major stylistic choice to like shoot this stuff was always the first scene in Saving Private Ryan where they're like in the trenches during war, and yep. I'm like, you're going to like war with me in the crowd to get to this DJ every night, you know? Because it's, like, shaky, there's blood on the camera, like, whatever. And I'm, like, that was my take because I was, like... Because that whole era was very, like... Dance music was very punk, you know? It was just, like, you could have a mosh pit to, like, crunchy synth sounds that you never had before. So I'm, like, I want to capture the visceralness of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, like, now everyone wants, like, the beautiful shit, you know? I don't ever want that, you know? But there are beautiful moments in those dirty, like, times. Well, also, I think a lot of things have to be inoffensive. And I feel like the main part of why dance music got so big was it was extremely offensive at first. Like, there was try. Well, I mean, like, Justice comes out with just like a cross, you know? It's like, that's like a pretty big statement to make where you're like, we're going to make the cross our iconography, you know? For me, though, coming off of the heels of uh, Alive 2007, that was my, my entry point. I became obsessed with justice. A lot of people did that summer as like the second, no, totally. the second step. It was the right? second coming of, it was like the next generation. And then it had the genealogy of like Pedro Winner, or yeah. old manager of Daft Punk. Right. Will now manage justice. Mm-hmm. French duo. French duo. Uh, well, also the other thing was that uh, they d- launched their tour pretty much like right. They started doing LA dates like right after with yes. the Ed Banger guys. Um, so after the sports arena show, I remember I went to LAD tour festival, saw justice for the first time. 
that was when I was actually involved in a crowd crush for the first time, Ooh, which scary. I, yeah, I just, I, it's still to this day, I always forget, like, that was, like, the intensity of, like, the yeah. people were so excited to yep. see them. I, I ended up seeing them six times that year in California. Damn right, baby. <laughs> uh, so playing next year, too. I know. They're <laughs> back. About to go back. After five-year hiatus. <laughs> but I know that you were there for a lot of those. Uh, yeah. The Music Box, the Mayan, the I went to Street Scene uh, in uh, San Diego. I went to Street Scene, too. Long Treasure ago. Island in San Francisco. So I'm, I'm just curious what, like, what that was for you as well, being there for that. Because so, I think that was the biggest. Okay, break. I'll tell you, like, my French entry point. Yeah, thing, okay? yeah, yeah. It all started, like, you know, A, I was, like, after I saw Daft Punk, then I went to Coachella, saw them at, like, in 07, before, you know, because the, the Daft Punk show wasn't until, like, July or something. Uh-huh. So I got, like, that fix, but then they start, they played it, like, on the rocks, uh, upstairs, like, Medi, rest in peace, um, mm. Ed, ba- or, like, Pedro and Justice just played this, like, show in 07, but then, like, they would then start showing up at, like, Cinespace, you know? And then they would just start showing up at LAX in those months leading up to the Daft Punk show. Yeah. So I'm just, like, trying to get, like, as close to the, like, the vibe. Mind you, I don't know them yet or anything. You know, I'm just, like, trying to get in. And then one day, like, but but I was really getting my my first, like, person that really put me on was Mike DJ Mike B. Yep. And he was throwing that party with... um banana split with dj am and steve aoki mm-hmm. so he got me into like he made he helped me become friends also with dj am rest in peace um who was like the the prototypical superstar dj in la you know like he helped create and craft that like people are coming to see you dj now yep mm-hmm. and that was mixing in perfectly with the time that like djs were from france were like commanding their presence like a boy's noise was emerging like these people you were going to see djs now we yeah. don't even have visuals yet, really. You know, like, yeah. you're just yeah. going to see these guys. And, like, in L.A., I'm just like, what is this? We never had, like, mind you, we didn't grow up with that whole, like, New York club culture where you go and, like, stay out for, like, till 4 a.m. Like, if you went to a club and saw a DJ, it was, like, bottle service, yeah. some, like, Hollywood shit, you know? So, yeah, A.M. kind of bridged the gap. He was the reason why I got into DJing. But um, he, uh, the interesting thing about him is that, you know, like, he... Like you're saying, he started to become like you would go to see a DJ for their skill of mixing top forty songs mm-hmm. with other things that you didn't know. And then when the French came in, it was really interesting uh, in that way because it was the first time you'd see people where you're like, "Wait, they produce this song that yeah. they're DJing." Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that was the big like aha. That was, yeah, like, that was a huge thing because like DJs just played other people's music, and yeah. then you see like the guys that created it, and you're like, they're French. So right. for us, it's like an exotic. Thing, you know yeah yeah and then you see them play their own music and freak their own music right. and you're just like what the f- yeah. at that moment yeah so it was just a combination of all that energy that got me in but anyway so yeah you're, it, you're following so, yeah, justice so crew it, it 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 led me to like basically like so one night am went to the shortstop in echo park like a dodger bar right yep still there our friends Cosmic Dan and uh, and and Ron, who who made a DJ duo called the Cosmic Kids. Yep. Um, it was our first show that night, so AM went to support, but also Kavinsky and Sebastian came. Right. Mm-hmm. And Cosmic Dan, by the way, one of my DJ mentors, he DJed on all vinyl. Yeah. So shut him. <laughs> anyway, so continue. So um, at the shortstop. So I'm Cosmic at the shortstop, Kids. watching them. 
Then I see Kavinsky. Because he was there because they were doing the tour for Daft Punk. Like, Sebastian and Kavinsky and Ratatat opened for the Daft Punk tour. Yep. Wow. <coughs> so it's an off Crazy night. Crazy <laughs> So an off night, I see Kavinsky. And I just like, I'm a fan of Kavinsky by then, you know? And I'm like, um, I pull up to him and I'm like, yo, Kavinsky, like, I'll fuck with your shit. <laughs> um, I have this huge bag of weed. Maybe we should smoke it all tonight. Yeah. Uh. It leads Just to like, like hanging out with them at the bar. Then he like, he's he's like, oh, I'm, we're going back to the crib. And they were like, oh, sick. And it was like, in Silver Lake, it was like Olivier Gondry's brother's house, <laughs> or no, Michel Gondry's brother, Olivier Gondry. Yeah, he had a house. Olivier Gondry directed the Around the World live video for Daft Punk, that tour mm. video of like all the handheld camps. Mm. Anyways, they're like, we're staying here, so come with us. They pile into my Honda Civic. Oh, you drove. <laughs> and I drove them to the house. And I still had Disney to go to in the morning, right? Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> so I'm my just God. like, yo, like, bro, like, it's my pleasure. Like, let's smoke this shit. And I'm there to like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. They're like, do you want to come meet us tomorrow? I'm like, bro, I got work. Like, I can't hang out with you. I would love to so much, you know, but I can't. And that led to like, he was like, oh, we'll be back in a couple months for Detour Fest. So like, let me know your email and then you just like roll with us. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I never was on a list. Yeah. I didn't know anything. So like, I pull up to Detour by myself and then I'm like, I go up and I'm like trying to get like Kavinsky's attention. Like, mind you, this is like the heyday of like the French shit, right? Yeah. They all did a massive back-to-back yeah. on this one stage. Yeah. yeah. And then like, uh, Kavinsky sees me, gets a security guard. He goes, that fool's with us. And from that point on, I'm just on stage with de- on the Detour Fest with, like, honestly, like, any footage I have from that night is, like, terrible because that camera was terrible, you know? And But it's just me and Cobra Snake and on the stage, like, with, like, Medi, Pedro, Justice, just DJing on that huge stage. Wow. Yeah. And, I, and I'm It was, just, like, super elevated. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I'm just, like... <laughs> like smoking there's like a there. pipe in the corner <laughs> yeah so that started it and then it led to like a relationship where Kavinsky literally introduced me to like all the guys in Ed Banger then like Pedro introduced me to everyone once I met him at at LAX one day okay and then every time I came to France like they would be like pull up and then they'd introduce me like another guy and then another guy and then that's how I like linked him like Brodinsky later who was like sort of like my kindred spirit Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I tagged along for all those, like, bromance things. Right. Like, I became a videographer and photographer for them because, like, I was always the guy that, like, picked them up from the airport, drove them around, in took the them Honda to restaurants, Civic. you know, like, in Love the Honda it. Civic, for sure. Yeah. Like Civic gang, I got one, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that Kavinsky was your entry into the, the whole French circle. Yeah. Yo, Kavinsky, later on, you know, years later... He's like, come to the Chateau Marmont. I have a place for the week. For the week, so like, I, I pull up, and then he's like, let's have dinner after with our friends, bro. I am at that dinner, sitting next to Toma Bangalter all night, <laughs> like next to him, because like Kavinsky and Toma and Guiman, they're just all homies from way back, and now I'm like Kavinsky's homie, and I was like, bro, like. Shut the f*** up and don't talk about music. That's all I did that day. I was like, you, you I'm not going to be that guy. Oh, I found out Tomas' favorite movie that year was, uh, what is it, like Zero Dark Thirty? 
Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was like 2009. Yeah. 2010. That the, was that the Catherine Bigelow movie? Yeah, yeah the one the she, best. Or no, no, Hurt Locker. Hurt, Hurt no, no, Locker. Catherine, it was one of those two. Hurt Locker like, won really, Best Picture, right? Yeah. And uh, and then Zero Dark Thirty was a few years later. But yeah. it is both Catherine Bigelow movies. Yeah. yeah. But it was like we talked about that. Like I'm not movies. gonna see yeah. that is that a guy. smart move. Yeah, Don't yeah, talk about boy. music. Oh. Don't fanboy like I just did about Glenn's videos. Did you ever like? deal with like imposter syndrome of like why am I here oh every how day do I keep constantly doing this? still yeah like how do you deal with it honestly okay this is what how I deal with it I had that in the very beginning right but then after a while I was like bro you can't hate on me when I pull up to shoot shit for free and post videos online the next day and I didn't ask you for anything so it was like after a while I developed my own confidence like bro like I ain't doing anything except like contributing to the culture. Yeah. yeah. So after a while, I like gained my own confidence. And if like a festival is like, you got to shoot this way. I was like, no. Like I was like, no. Yeah. Because like I'm now I feel confident as to like how I should be. But I've been like, like I said, kicked off stage so many times. I've like <laughs> been told you ain't shit mm. like by people. And I would just like keep like trudging through and upload it online and then get like <laughs> a bunch of hits. But I knew, like, it was just part of the process, you know, like, yeah. um, but I deal with it every day. Like, I never think, like, I be- I'm not, I never be like, you know who I am. I'm never this. I'm never like that because I'm like, when I really think about it, I'm only here because, like, they want to see the other people. I'm just like the photographer, dog. Like, <laughs> I ain't nobody. And, like, don't <laughs> act like I'm the best at this shit, you know, like, like. But you're like the everyman's photographer, you know, like in that way where like people don't have access to the, especially now, people have very little access to these festivals. And the only way they'll have access is either through social media or the way that the festival wants to be presented. And you serve this perfect middle between the consumer and kind of the reality of like what going to something like this is. It's an underground party if it's main stage at one of these festivals, you know? I feel like I have a good sense of like what corny is. And then like after a point, I thought like, yo, I think the shit that I'm doing is kind of corny because it's like everyone's shooting now. But like I love shooting when like I was the only guy with video capturing like something that will be in my mind historically important and i'm the only one that has it so i was like really shooting but then like after a while i'm like bro why would you want like bts footage for me when like diplo can shoot it on his phone now and it's even more bts like all the artists can now shoot their own bts well because it wasn't direct to consumer back then no no i know right yeah yeah. so you were i was like in a good spot yeah Yeah. and i built it and i like went in uploaded like every fucking day yeah. But I knew that, like, there was a finite end to that, mm-hmm. you know? Because, like, also, I was like, I don't want to bring my video camera everywhere. So, like, uh, but then also, I saw the energy kind of shift when, like, it got super EDM Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like, EDC is, like, the aesthetic. And I'm not hating on EDC. It's just that, like, I'm. it's not my aesthetic. I'm all about, like... French dudes that, like, don't talk on the mic, you know, like, just <laughs> yeah. DJ for, like, six just hours. Just lighting a, the new cigarette with the old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. Shout out Gasoffel Steve, <laughs> the <laughs> king of that, you know? <laughs> um, but it, I was always, like, I want to be, like, absorbing the scene. Like, I want to just enjoy the backstage with them. Mm. I want to see the show with them. But I'm not, like, I need the shot. Like, I'm not like that guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm very confident, though, that throughout the night, I will get the shot. Yeah. You know? But I'm not like, if it's a shot list, bro, that shit's stressful. Yeah. But I'm like, if you just leave me alone, I will get you like, like this photo of Notch and Skrillex or something, you know, or like, I will get you this photo of like 
Gary with like seven of his like DJs on the bill that he'll only like do it. And I'm like, I will tap his back while he's DJing in front of everyone, but he will turn around for me based on like this trust relationship thing. Cause that's my mm. main, main, main thing was like, photos are cool, but the subject of all my photos and stuff now are like people that I f with. Like, I shoot film now for the last like five years. I only shoot film, film's expensive. Like, now I only waste that film on what is truly, truly interesting to me. Cause mm. the deliverables of a festival now are like, give me 500 photos and we'll pick the best 10. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. bro, I only shoot like 120 now. You know? Yeah. That's wild. And I'm yeah. like, pick your 50. I, so, would you say that YouTube has been one of the most important parts of your career, component wise? Like, for sure, because, um, um, I mean, pre-DMCA, I, you know, yeah. I used to get money <laughs> from YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, I was curious about that. And then, like, there was one day we're like, nah, you ain't getting no money no more, you know? And I was Is like. Is it because of the music in the videos? Bro, they're playing, like, seven different songs I know, in each video. I know. That's, that are that's not tough. owned by me. And that's why you have, like, that you're on, you're on Glenjamin 3, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I have I had it shut down. Yeah. Glenjamin 1 got shut down when I filmed Prince at Coachella. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that, that sounds that'll about get right. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I'll take that. What bullet. about Glenjamin Two? What was Glenjamin Two still up? Yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's like an archive thing because well, I I registered Glenjamin up to like five mm. in case they kept going down. But the reason why I did that was like I'm so old school with YouTube. Like I was there with, like sort of when it began. I was there before like a three strikes program. So I was like, oh, mm. if they just like want to take it down, like yeah, because the Princeton was like one strike and yeah. they just like took it down. Yeah. They used to do that with those in original. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting though. I was gonna, I was gonna map this out because, like, I think when it comes to music, it's really interesting how we used to get it and share it because it was like P two P torrents, and then after that, it was like private links, like M media fires you share through the blogs, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was like SoundCloud was like a big part of it, the the downloads, and then you know now we're into like Sp Spotify and now TikTok. Right. But YouTube has been the through line through all of it. it it's has, like yeah. existed. It has. Well, yep. there was like a conscious thing. Like long time ago, I had a friend that worked in a, they're trying to create a new streaming video site. And they're like, we want your videos on it. And we're like, mm. you know, and we'll try and to maybe pay you. And I was like, <laughs> I tried <laughs> I it for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. But in my head, I'm like, bro. And this is why also like, I'm on like Google Photos and not like, I never did Flickr. Like I never did all that because... I saw, like, the future, and I'm like, you know who's going to have all my shit backed up? Google. Like, yeah. YouTube owns Google. I'm going to have some storage of that somewhere because this company won't go down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's there for imagine you. now, bro, I get an email every day like, uh, Image Shack needs your, like, it's good. <laughs> We're going to throw these away. Like, if you don't know, like... <laughs> Flickr, like, please resign into Flickr, you know, like, because <laughs> we're gonna throw these away, you know, and like, Google's well, that's like, that is actually we got stores, we dog. Got like, we don't even tripping on you. That is the interesting part about like uh, the, the bloghouse scene, and yeah. that it's it's kind of all gone. Like, yeah. uh, all those links are gone, expired, yeah. and yeah. you know, I have a, a archive of like ten thousand, you know, palms out Sunday exactly. like song downloads from these blogs, and so now it's up to the individual historians. Glenn, what he has in his archive, what I have in my personal archive. It's kind of cool, actually, when you think about it, that yeah. these are the only ways that these, these things might exist. I mean, it was a, like, I was such a nerd with that shit back then, though. You know, like, I knew from uh, working at, like, Disney Online. Yeah. Of, like, yeah. how the internet works in, like, uh, like, the behind the scenes of how the internet works, right? Of, like, how Disney did it is just, like, you know, it's crazy. So I was like, oh, bro, 
mine's mad easy <laughs> handling Disney. Yeah. You know, so I'm just like, just got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. Just got to like plan ahead and like choose the right one. Because everyone was like, yo, you got to do Flickr. Like, it's the shit. <laughs> you know, you got to do this. And I'm like, bro, like, I'm a dork. Gonna be a dork. I'm gonna stay with Google. Like, because I knew, like, Google's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And yeah. I was like, they have the capacity for storage. Yeah. Like, that was the only reason why I did that. Yeah, I love yeah. that this has turned into a nerd talk <laughs> about, like, storage. No, but you have to realize, <laughs> like, but you have to realize like, though, really the... So, okay. Which is very important. So, yeah. you guys haven't... I haven't really talked about it as much, but I'm working on a documentary, okay? Well, about all my, yay. like, footage and whatever. But the more I think about it, you have to realize the context of, like, technology and the, yeah. know, things like that, you know? Yeah. So... I'm I I can't wait to share it. I mean it's gonna take a while, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's based on the footage, but it's also based on like the relationship that I've trusted and like the access that I will give to everyone, but it'll feel like you were part of the crew and we're just reminiscing kind of shit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um but it's because like we smoked weed together, we did all this <laughs> shit together and that doesn't come until, like, investing. Now Now I'm comfortable to kind of do one because, like, I invested yeah. 15 years of, like, friendship and relationships so that, like, I never, like, stole money. You know, I never did yeah, anything yeah. bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was always, like, on the straight. And, you know, like, like I, w- I wasn't trying to be, like, shady with, like... Well, there's anyone, an etiquette, you know? you know, and, like, you didn't want it. It's, like, unspoken, yeah. you know. And and one of the one of the things is, like, um, and I want to talk about Daft Punk more later, but yeah. you remember the recording <laughs> from from the booth from yeah. front of house, and you you're one of the f- people who had it, and it actually leaked online recently. But now Wait, it's like which one leaked the, the LA the sports, sports arena. arena? Yeah, wasn't me though, and I it wasn't you. That. It wasn't you, <laughs> but it's on YouTube now, and also, but you know, Lollapalooza, like all of this stuff is finally yeah, coming out, yeah. and now it's been like kind of far enough away where it's like people are kind of okay with it now because yeah. it's more like preserving the history now mm-hmm. but like it's interesting because it's like it's like this unspoken thing where it's like you know like you you, you just got to respect yeah you well, got to respect it's, it's the, a, the privacy yeah it's, of, it's a fine line to also walk being like the friend in the crew mm-hmm. but then still being a fan which yeah. i think is and actually being a photographer though right you know, yeah and like, working right. and working like i could be a, the biggest snitch like i could be <laughs> that's the what biggest, i mean and there's so many people that have those moments <laughs> yeah. of like they're with them in the right moment and then they suddenly disappear they fall off because something like that happens right. but that's why like being the fan and the person that's in the crew and working with them is a, a really delicate yeah. thing to walk well, i'm really good at like shooting but i'm also really good at turning off the camera you know yes. like i yeah because yeah. honestly like um, I'm more concerned with like cultivating my personal relationship with music. Like that was like a goal because I was like, I'm a fan, but let me see how close I can get. And if they like, now they fuck with me, you know, like, but it was because of like always trying to be like, put out like a good impression of myself. Yeah. You know, like never be like, yo, like bothering them for anything. You know, like never like doing anything that's like perceived as thirsty. You know, because also like, I grew up in LA. Like I seen all that like celebrity culture, and I also know that's like corny or so- like some things are corny or like I like I can see when my friends are like, bro, just fucking leave them alone, dog. Yeah. You know but do you I feel like, like the, the thirst has always been there? Or is it just more amplified because of what we have at our disposal? It's definitely more amplified, but thirst has been here since yeah. the beginning. Of time. <laughs> We've <laughs> okay. Eternally like, thirsty as yeah, a, as a the first as a Neanderthal yeah. thought was thirsty as fuck. You know, like. <laughs> Uh, you just know someone in the Neanderthal crew yeah, was being that sure. thirsty. Well, I mean, I 
Yeah, I respect that. Uh, you know, the understand because like I I don't want to say our generation, but like it is kind of like there it was an etiquette that was very clear. Yeah, and then I don't know if those same things exist anymore. Like I well, get I get asked for like AAA like guest list yeah. like no problem, Bro, and it's like okay, okay. I'm like yo you have, like uh, that's like bold. This you know? is the <laughs> Gen Z or this generation ask. Okay, yo. It's been a while, but uh, I see you're playing at Coachella this year. Like, <laughs> yo, like, do you want you want me to just like kick? Can I kick it? Like, should, <laughs> can I kick it and like, you know, if you got a pass, you know, just hit me up. Yo, but I hope everything's good. You know, like it's been a while, but like, yo, I'm so proud of you. Like, bro, this is that. Okay, it's like, who are you right. to ask for something in a way where you have to like convince someone that they owe you something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a an entitlement factor. And, like, this is my, like, old Asian man coming out, right? Right. But it's just that, like, I worked really hard to not do that. And I Because that didn't exist back then. And personally, I enjoy my time at all the events because I feel welcome there. Yes. Like, they want me there because I was never a part of that. But if you even do that, like, once, you just get a reputation. You know, it's just, like, it's a whack reputation to have because it's, like, everyone does that. And now you're in the bin of, like, everyone does that. Like, yo... You released a new shoe? Bro, let me get that. Like, I need that. Like, fucking give me that shit. You know, like, the I need that culture is, like, not what I grew up on. Yeah. And that's was the whole, like, like the key to longevity with these people is, like, you got to have a relationship where you're not asking them for shit all the time. I know. Yeah. The first time you know? I got I got let onto the stage at Avalon, it was, like, it was way late into my career. And right. even still, I was like, oh, shit, I'm, they're going to put bring me up on stage. And then the guy asked me to buy him a drink. <laughs> like straight up, you know, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you want two? Yeah, yeah. You know, because I was like, <laughs> I was like, I think I got twenty five dollars in my yeah, checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but like now looking at it from the other side, being the person who like let, I'm like, surprisingly, I'm not patting myself on the back. It's like I feel like the BNI is we're surprisingly generous with letting people oh, for on sure. stage. You like it's definitely really changed. Like you can't no. almost can't say no but a lot of this times. This is what I f- with you guys though, because you guys are like have done your own thing, and everyone caught up to it. Because you're, like, in the trenches, throwing parties that you have to, like, find out about. But it's also, like, you have to be invested in your, like, community Mm. to get to, like, to really be a part of it. And, like, I feel like people have, like, a feeling of ownership when they go to a BNL party because they, like, spend all this time to, like, figure out the riddle to get there or, like, whatever. And they have to have an investment beyond just, like, yo. But also, you guys reciprocate it by, like, always being super generous to your fans yeah you know always like but also like you do your do work and like like fucking get all these like ninja clips of shit that hasn't been released <laughs> and, like, i think kush can take it takes a little bit of a page out of your book bro, I will shout say, out I will bro say. but i think taking pages man i mean that, i keep I, coming back to the thing of like it's because you guys are also fans like you guys yeah, are exactly, equally yeah. as excited but you guys to are be fans there. that treat your artists with respect I and at that, that point yeah yeah. Like now you're like friends with Sonny, you know, like uh, yeah. you're friends with these guys. It's just, and, but it, again, it goes back to the etiquette. And then what I think is interesting is like, I, I'm never impressed. I never was shy about saying the do over Dimock Tuesdays versus like, this is what got me in, mm-hmm. you know, him on every, these were iHeart comics. These guys got me into for what sure. I do. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you pay homage. Oh, now for sure. going forward, I think there's a lot of people who will do brownies on lemonade type stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I wonder if they're actually going to pay homage in the same way. Cause it's not as cool to pay homage anymore. And that was part of the etiquette is like, mm-hmm. you got to just like, you got to pay it forward. Like be like, yo man, like, 
you know, hey, I respect, you know, but okay. I don't know if that handoff no, is But the, the thing same. is, though, it's no. like, I'm, like, I could be, like, a hater, but I choose not to be at a lot of times, and I'm like, I could be like, yo, like, let's see, like, are they going to be dope or whack? Or I'm, like, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give them time to prove themselves, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I and, and I pull up to a lot of new kids, like, new parties because I've been, like, genuinely, like, oh, man, I really love what they're doing. Like, yeah. I love the culture that they're building and they're doing it DIY, which is, like, the thing that I really, really support, you know? Like, shout out, like, Favela. Shout out Discotech. Shout out, like, all these, like, newer little parties that are, like, all around doing their own thing. But they built their own communities. They built their own stuff. They built bring their friends and you see them like actively invest and they're always nice to their crew. Like, you know, well, yeah. we, that we need people to do the next, the next parties, the next Brian's Lover, the next, yeah. uh, you know, like I, I heart comics, the next Democ Tuesdays, those kinds of nights are like way fewer and far between yeah. for the biggest right, music market yeah. in arguably the world. We don't have enough of the middle class. Like we used to. You that's know? what I was saying before when we were talking to someone else is that I just, come back to being proud of people who do anything really True. like if even if it's not for me if i don't go or if it's not my type of music but like i see like you said them building a community they're reaching out to their people mm -hmm. then fine like i'm happy they're doing it because it's so hard to do things now like i feel like kids are so worried about like it's going to be embarrassing or it's not going to be cool immediately like they look at they probably look at a yeah. brownies and they they're like immediate, they want immediate like they want to be yeah as yeah. big as a they brownie tomorrow they, they couldn't exactly. throw the party like, you know how many times <laughs> you guys had to like try and do a dnb <laughs> at dnb party until they finally let you do it you know <laughs> well also like i just remember uh jose i always bring this one up is when we we were throwing a party at senor fish in a little tokyo yeah and like 50 people showed up the entire day right. and slander played for two people at happy hour whether eating, eating tacos you know it's like that that was embarrassing like you have to you have to have you these have embarrassing to have things you have to do now it. i understand sure. that it wasn't it. so visible where you're like you're recording the whole damn thing right. and uploading in real time i don't know what that's like but i do know it was still just as embarrassing as i'm sure it is now you oh, know right like, totally so, you just you got to do those. But things. it's funny that you actually I want to tie that in because because Glenn was talking about this doc. She was saying yeah. that people are like a little bit more embarrassed. They're very conscious of self editing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing is that like we would just upload like an entire Olympus camera to Facebook oh, yeah. album. Facebook yeah, yeah, album. Yeah. And just like it was very embarrassing. Like yeah. I think we yeah. maybe that are uh, that era we were just a little bit more okay with not being perfect in that way or like Well, I, I think you also were like in that era where you wanted to get noticed, you know? Yeah. And it's like that terrible photo of you during that time is like yeah, I made it to the Cobra Snake. You know, like you know, like you got red eyes and you're yeah. like, I was like boogers. We were just out, like, I think we were just like excited, right? Like yeah. whether it was the Cobra Snake posting the one For photo sure. or you posting your a hundred from that album, like you were so excited to I just was, be there. Because it was all about like that sense of community that yeah. that blog house thing sort of helped start. Yeah. Because it was like a a an authentic sense of community based on like the infancy of the internet, where we're not like have many scams just yet you know totally like yeah. we're all like kids you know and we're just like learning how People to like we're embraced for being weird yes exactly so that was a, that was something you touched on where you said you were never really cool mm -hmm. and still not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i kind of had that same feeling because like you're saying the the pop culture media you're referencing 
people like us weren't represented in the movie. Um, if they were, they were the token Asian nerd or whatever. Like for years, it was better luck tomorrow. That was the movie that all Asians were like looking at. To we like, did have Harold and Kumar. I guess it was one step in the direction. But I think it was funny because it was the same summer as Alive 2007 was super bad. And I, when I saw that movie, I was finally kind of like, oh, sh- like nerds are kind of cool. Nerds are cool. And then from that point on, I think in the music industry, there was like, we had a little bit more of like, there was just, the reason why I chose to go more in music than anywhere else is it was the only place where I didn't feel like I was reminded that I was Asian. Right. Yeah. Right. right. I don't know if you get, if you've had the same experience, but no, in like, I, I was in acting and it was like, you're, you're an Asian nerd. You like, Asian, you know, you're yeah. this, you're this type, you're this, you're, you're, uh, fresh off the boat person. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. Well, I was going to say when you were talking earlier about how you're oftentimes one or one of the only Asians in the room, I feel like I went through that when mm. I was working in music journalism, especially in like house and techno where it's like all yes, British dudes. For sure. And I think at first it felt really uncomfortable where I was like, I'm very much noticing that I'm the young Asian female in the room and mm-hmm. that's odd. And then it was pretty quickly I pivoted to actually, I think it's a, like a superpower in a way because you totally. get a different perspective from people. They talk to you differently than they talk to the the other white guy in the room. Yeah. So have you experienced that? Um. No, totally. I mean, since I mean, since day one, there was at least like a Steve Aoki there. So it wasn't so like weird. <laughs> but um, I was genuinely like, this is a very European vibe. Yeah. But like I gravitated towards it. Like I never sp- spoke French or whatever, but I just liked the vibe. Okay. Mm-hmm. After a certain point, you just forget about all that other shit. You know, you're like, I didn't even care about the race stuff. But after putting in the time, mm-hmm. I'm very proud to be like a Korean yeah. that did this. And it wasn't like to be a Korean no. doing this, you know? And it yeah. was like, but I'm happy that like I, as a Korean, logged in all this time. And I am have an expertise in a, in a world that is like still not my world. Mm-hmm. But I have respect from that world. And I think it's just cool to like just think of it afterwards you know of like how that happened but i cognizantly didn't think like about the asian thing as much until like you know years later we're like wow i was like around a lot of crazy shit and i was like the only asian guy there well that was like the representation is just by being there yeah you know? yeah well check this out three asians on a podcast <laughs> yeah, Guess let's what? Go. 2023 let's go. we doing it that's right aapi hm every day <laughs> that's it no, mic drop right there it's, yeah um no, I mean, it's it's so true, dude. I mean, uh, honestly, for me, I just, I've always been very inspired by you. And, and the coolest thing is that now we're hearing the first whisperings about you working on this documentary. Yeah. I don't know if you are ready to tell us more about that, but I would love to hear more about that. I mean, I'm one of those guys that, like, keeps a lot of stuff close to the head, yeah. you know? Because, yeah. like, I think everyone's a snitch. Everyone's, like, <laughs> untrustworthy sometimes, like... We're on a podcast. On a podcast, yeah. so it's, like... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, tell me more. Like, that kind of <laughs> stuff, right? All I'm going to say, though, is, like, it's inherently a story that I can tell. And only you My can footage, tell. Yeah. through the relationships that I gained, like, I got all the access because, like, we're homies. And it's not going to be weird, you know? And yeah. I'm trying to, like, yeah. put out this image of, like, you had to have lived the, that relationship to tell this story about this relationship. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember talking to you back in 20, it was like 2015 outside No Filter. And you were telling me kind of early, you know, seeds of this idea, you know, and it's still taking you a while to, I mean, that was pretty It's like a long phase because, like, it's my story. So I want to do it right. I'm not just going to jump on it 
But also there's like a writer's strike and all this other stuff going on. So it's like, it's good to gestate and just talk about it a bit right now. Yeah. But I am talking with like really cool like people in Hollywood that are like sort of fucking with it. And I'm like, that's cool because I feel like this time period elicits. Like if you grew up in that time period, you remember it as like the summer of 69. It was your time when you became Hugh. Like when you saw this club atmosphere, like, um, and now guess what? We live in like distrust of the news, the president. It was just a different time. Okay. Well, also documentaries now are just like basically a, a, it's a, it's a tour video or it's like a recap video. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a hagiography, you know, like even the biopics, like, you know, like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, produced by Queen. Like, are you going to trust like the mm-hmm. the the image that is de- depicted there? Yours is completely unfiltered. It's, I mean, it is- yeah, it's just because I want to show that like how to like not do things, like not to be <laughs> thirsty. How to like you know, some people are like, how did you shoot Skrillex? Like, how do I shoot Skrillex? And I'm like, bitch, like you find Skrillex when he's like 13 and follow him. <laughs> That's you know, the like, only you way. gotta find the next Skrillex. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. the reason why I, he fucks with me because, like, we were friends for, like, 10 years now. And, like, it's not weird if I pull up to your concert, you know? Yeah. And, like... Well, know. I think it's hard because he's one of the many people that people keep using as an example for what they want to do. And yeah. it's, like, there are only, like, one or maybe two or maybe three of those in your entire life. Like, yeah. Yeah. you got to do your own thing. It's going to come about naturally. You can't be looking for that. Totally. You know, it's yeah. like, it comes, Sonny was going to like shows, like handing out CDs, like, yo man, I, yeah. I DJ now. Yeah. Oh, Sonny told me you know? he used to watch my videos before he started DJing, you know? Yeah. 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 So I think that, so I created Skrillex, by the way. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> um, no. Put that one on, uh, on record. Uh, now, uh, I, yeah. But it's like things like that though. It's like, cool. Then that means you were like a student of the game. Like, cause a lot of people, like I, I've seen a lot of people tell me that, like, they watched a lot of videos. Like, Katranada, like, real talk. He told me he used to watch the video because he's younger than us. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he's, like, he understands my place. You know? Like, he understands yeah. this. But with, without me being, like, like, yo, get out of the way. I'm trying to shoot this shit. He's, like, yo, move out of the way. It's Glenn. Like, it's Katra. He's doing it for me when he's now killing it. Well, know? no, and yeah. I think that's such an interesting comparison because Katranada had the boiler room. Which, right. at this point in time in history is iconic. Like, people know people yeah, in the totally background and like, they're famous. Yeah, like, someone was like... girl that, like, became, like, a dancer <laughs> on, yeah. the, like, a Katranada tour yeah. based on a Boiler Room, like, thing. That's, Our that's homie Jacob, he's right like, there. I met the guy in the sweater. Uh, dude, uh, is like, crazy. he does, he's LD for Katranada. He's like, I met the dude in the sweater. That's like the, <laughs> I mean, the new, the new era of that is, like, the Fred again guy. Right. And that's, the, now that's a spiritual that's successor yeah, is yeah, yeah. the Fred again Boiler Room. He has room, a whole career out of it, too, now. Yeah. Dude, it's really cool. I... I, I want to make sure while we still have some time, I've got to yeah, ask yeah. you about Daft Punk. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my favorite subject. 10-year ten ten year anniversary of Random Access Memories. Yes. Maybe the Swan Song album for them. We don't know. You were at the recent uh, anniversary, uh, yeah. uh, the unveiling of the video. Yeah. Okay, so that was interesting because I had no idea it was going on. And then, like, my friend texted me, like, hey, you heard about this? And I'm like, bro, I don't know anyone at Sony. You know, like, I don't know, like, yeah. are they going to let me in or whatever? And then he was just like, um, he, it, like, he gave me an email. My RSVP said, you're not on the list, you know? And he was like, Glenn, like, has this ever stopped you before? <laughs> and I was like, wow. you're right. Like, you are right. And for Daft Punk, I'm driving my ass at 6 p.m. to Culver City, <laughs> you know, from Silver Lake, like, an hour and a half drive. Yeah. yeah. And, like, he was like, yo, just say... This one name, 
and like just say he, he like added you last minute. Well, I, I go did. there, said the name. He was like, okay, and I was like, all right, let's go, you know. And then, <laughs> and then I'm there, and it's like the 10 year anniversary. I mean, it's very. It was a very like industry industry. Kind yeah, of yeah, event, of course, you know? of course. Yeah. Like I ran into a couple friends that worked for like you know labels or management companies or whatever. That different are now, yeah. But the only person I knew there was like Todd Edwards, so I'm like, I'm gonna hang out with Todd, you yes. know. And then like the whole time I'm there, and I'm like, oh shit, like Paul Williams is in the corner, like. I almost took a photo of him, but I just, like, was talking with Todd and shit, and I was like, forget it, you know? But those are people that I met through the journey, and, like, I met Todd in 09 at, like, um, 08 or 09 at Winter Music Conference in Miami when he was, like, just starting to get out there and trying to, like, gain his, like, fucking confidence again, you know, because he was, yeah. like, living at home. And he was on hiatus before. for a minute. Yeah. yeah. He was, like, afraid to travel when he was growing up, so it's, like, you know, we saw him in Miami, it's like, yo, Todd the God, like, we gotta be friends, right? Yeah. Like, you are the voice of face-to-face. Like, right. And I'm one of those people that's, like, I'm a student of that kind of shit. Like, even though I don't know m- much about music, I know what I, I really like, and I'll do my homework on that, right? The French stuff was a big thing about dance music that I was trying to learn more about. Yeah. Even though I don't, I still can't name any of the songs. I see Todd there face to face. We're talking, but then like through the years, we just keep in contact. And I'm just like, hell yeah, it leads to that night where I'm like, bro, I don't know nobody. Like, let me kick it with you. And we're just like getting drunk, talking about how like we should talk to Paul Williams and stuff like that. But it was just nice because like I was like there and I f- have this weird like responsibility online that I feel like, I got to know shit about Daft Punk when I normally don't know anything, okay? Like, I don't know <laughs> when their next tour is. For the last 10 years, you asked me this, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, but people would ask me all this shit, like, oh, I got, like, this alert saying that, like, this is happening on this. I'm like, bro, I don't know, you know? Like, I'm not the Daft Punk Discord, you know? <laughs> I wish you were. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on it sometimes, but it's like, bro, they don't even know who I am, so I'm like, forget about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, but how many of those people have dined uh, with one of the members of Daft Punk? You know, that's none of them. <laughs> none of them. <laughs> none of them. Definitely not next to them. So, but what do you think? Like, do you really feel like this? Uh, this is the the final chapter of Daft Punk. Okay, this is the thing with that. It's like until they say it, it's whatever they say. Like they're broken up right now. They're broken up. I ain't gonna like make conjectures about this or yeah you know because it's like all you're gonna do is create damage to yourself every year when they don't show up okay yeah. and this has been like years of my friend saying uh 2007 or right, 2017 is alive happening that was my the number one thing. theory of course <laughs> oh wait no it'll be 2018 because it's actually uh 10 plus one year like you know like <laughs> and every year there would be like some There's theory some new theory yeah. some theory about something like the other theory is like my friends at burning man like Daft Punk will play at the trash fence every year. Oh, that's the every year rumor. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, there's a rumor for that every year. And sure. I think... That's a meme. But that's a, the beauty of creating this persona that, like, you don't show your faces. You can live your life, like, on the daily and not be bothered as much, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, they had sent an interview uh, that, you know... Th- they didn't want to be robots anymore, obviously, because AI and robots are getting right, such right. a bad rap right, right now. You know, and this is not a good era. No, this is what they said in the press. Yeah. It's not yeah. a good era to be a robot. No. They don't. Not they want to be human. Yeah, they're classic robots. You know, yeah. they're like like, like analog yeah. actual machines. Not ChatGPT you know, robots. Well, I mean, it is interesting because you know, 
the last thing I'll say on Daft Punk is like, I, I think the biggest hurdle is the expectation versus reality fight. Like the expectation, I don't think could ever be surpassed. You of know? course not. And I think that's the beauty in it, you know? Like when I really analyze why I fuck with Daft Punk so much, it's like that day that I saw them at Coachella, like Twitter wasn't huge yet. Like it was the last thing you could sort of do without spoiling it. Like yeah. online, you know, mm-hmm. like every, like I said, everyone's like a snitch and everyone's a spy now, you know, like yeah. I want to get the photo of like Skrillex's new video setup. I want to get a photo of Zed's new video screen or whatever. Leak the track list Leak, of the album. Yeah. Exactly. All that stuff. Like imagine how deflating it would have been if you saw a picture of the pyramid before you saw the pyramid come out. No, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and it was the last time where it can like be done because of the limitations of technology, the limitations yeah. of thirst, like the limitations of all that at the time. Mm-hmm. Now there's kids that are like, bro, like these annoying TikTok prankers, you know, they're like built, they're, they're ready to get content, dog. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's different, you know? They're the new yeah. robots. They I are mean, the new robots. I mean, I know, you know, nothing about Daft Punk compared to both of you, but I think that my controversial opinion is that it's, over and we don't want to admit it yet and i think that they know it too i'm fine with it being over though and that's what i think it is i think they're like i mean obviously they're so forward thinking as artists in general and just people i would assume that i feel like they saw the beauty in doing it doing it so well and then just letting it be forever because i feel like even you know you're asking about this 10-year event and just like even before you started talking about it i was like i knew it wasn't it's like probably just like a big label show for sure it was totally a label thing but yeah. I still like like the the inner 07 kind of came out in me and I'm like I got to at least like sniff it. You know? Of course. Like, I, gotta, yeah. I was I was We're at celebrating. A, I yeah. was at a tonight at the Gobi 10 2013 and then the Daft Punk logo came up. There was a world premiere of the trailer of the, of the with trailer. I mean, it was it just a trailer. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. way it was dropped, it was so cryptic. It was a first reveal for all. I mean, it was one of the most amazing moments I've ever had as a music right. fan. It was a trailer right. before a set that had nothing to do with right. them. And it was right. just like, I happened to be standing there. Yeah. And, and, you know, and yeah. It's sort of like this performance piece that like I just enjoyed so much. And I like, you know, absorbed. I was like, you know, now I consider like people that are like always thinking that there's like a theory about something or something's going to happen like daft anon you know and it's just because like they just don't quit you know like they like don't quit you know they have their own theories and like totally it's over yeah um but it's just i'm at peace because like i saw what i needed to see when they wanted to put it out yeah you know like it's on them like like this is when like you don't want to turn into like a shitty sequel of a movie you know like yeah you and, and and who's to say that they aren't maybe coming back later like they're yeah. like, nobody said nothing like, like, but if they want to do it, I'm down. But also like, I met them and they're like chill French dudes and like, <laughs> bro, they don't want to fucking do all that shit if they don't want to. And I'm totally down with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they they retire, might wake up and they out might with want their, like to. kids and shit. Like, let them do that, bro. The they amount, don't owe us nothing. Like, no, I mean, the amount of restraint that the Europeans seem to have over their art, they mm-hmm. know when to exit gracefully. For sure. Val, I'm telling you, you just got to know when to, ba- I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is a comic thing. Me, I just roll away slowly. Uh, but on that note, I mean, I think that would be a good place to maybe for us to exit gracefully. Was there anything else you wanted to? I mean, I was just going to say 
one, Glenn, I love hearing you talk. I think uh-huh. you have such a great way of storytelling, not only with your photos and videos, but with your words. Yeah. But I feel like I was, you know, taking notes and thinking about things to ask you. And I feel like Yay. I accidentally started writing like rules that you have created in your life, which yeah. I think are really nice. And I was just like, like just being a fan through it all. I think that's something we've talked a lot about. And I appreciate that you've kept that true. I think that's something like, a lot I'm of- still a f- like, I still go out to this stuff because I'm like super interested in like the evolution of cultures like every 10 years and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to Paris Fashion Week on Friday, but it's because cognizantly in my mind about five years ago, I thought that energy for like these clubs and festivals and stuff was going towards like waiting in line for a shirt by Virgil Abloh. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like that like, like pent up crazy like you can't name what this energy is was that like initial like high fashion street wear hype thing right yeah yeah and then like i went to an after party where like oh moody man is playing you know Mm -hmm. or like you know all the best musicians are now playing like fashion after parties you know so i like to gracefully like move on my own too to another scene yeah well we didn't even get to cover a lot of the stuff in in fashion and stuff we've done but we might have to save that for another but it is interesting that you did make that connection because now it it seems like brands supersede every other figure in culture you know because we didn't it wasn't that way it was yeah. artists had all the power right but now it really feels like brands are even bigger than artists in in a weird way um well i'm going to see uh pharrell do his first louis vuitton show you know mm-hmm. like this is a merging of all the cultures yeah, you know, yeah. like the reason why I fuck with it is because it makes it, it's like they led me into this world, mm-hmm. but it was through like slowly bringing me in. Cause like you forget, like I would go to France all the time to see like Ed Banger shit, romance shit. Yeah. But it's also the city of fashion, you know? And like you forget yeah. that like they're doing fashion shows here. And then just one of those years, and I have to say, Virgil Abloh was a huge key in that of merging and he was like oh, yeah. bringing friends in from the other world he was like a dj am like bringing in like the uncool kids with like the cool kids the mm-hmm. artist kids the skater kids yeah. the art fools like whatever well, f- well figures like you know virgil and and rest and in Mur- peace, bro. Rep- oh, rest miss in peace. That guy. and uh and you know murakami like blurring the lines between high and low art basically just taking that away yeah. and i think that what you're saying is a good parallel where it's like that's kind of like where a lot of that cool organic hype went was yeah. towards that area the energy you know? of that is like something else sometimes but now in that way it's been weaponized you know oh yes and yeah. then you Everything know <laughs> <be weaponized>. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not go into that side no no but it. i do think that i mean i again i'd love to hear even more story you've got so many stories yeah talk, we have to have maybe a part two with glenn one no of i know days. and that's what i mean like i feel like the life lessons of glenn are i mean i'm sure you get the question all the time from kids who are like looking up to you and your career being like what's the advice you can give and i honestly think that like i hope Hope if people are listening to it and to this, hoping to find that, that they just genuinely see that you are someone who loved what he did from the very beginning and just kept that true, got like never fell into the thirst side of it. And also that you're just like, you know, the imperfect. You made that like cool, you yeah, know, and I mean, like I'm, it's okay to exactly do that and like, bring that. Yeah. In terms of like what to do, I'm much better at telling you what not to do, you know, like because <laughs> yeah. I'm just like we've seen it all, we lived it all, but I would like, you know, like one of my dreams is like to do like a guest lecture at a university of what not to do in this scene. You know, like (laughs) just because like I want to help 
kids see that you could still do cool shit, just not the uncool way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think gaining respect is way more important than gaining clicks and followers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, bro, I don't got a lot of followers on my shit, but it's like, I know my followers though. You know, well, I haven't given up on the youth. I think that they'll come around to it. Oh, you I know, ain't talking shit about the youth. No. I'm just saying. But I, but I, yeah. I agree because that's not what is present. Yeah. That's not the the primary language that's being communicated. Yeah. But it, it is up to people like it, you and, and us to do that. I mean, we're just a little bit older, and, and like we're just used to a different speed, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, remember when like when you'd be like, "Oh, that dude was in this movie," and then you would have, just have this argument forever, right? <laughs> Until like you saw the movie. But now it's like. You just look it up in a second and you get your answer. So everyone just wants stuff sooner because it's not anyone's fault. It's just like we're wired to to expect the answer immediately, yeah. you know? And that's just something that like I'm honestly really glad to have lived in the time that we lived in because I appreciate all that. Totally. You know? yeah. Like yeah. we did not have the internet. Yeah. You know? And it kind of kind of made us who we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, we appreciate the internet now, you know? Yeah. yeah. But Absolutely. I also think that's, I mean, another, again, I keep going back to life lessons, I guess. That's just where my brain's at. But it's, like, for kids now, it's also, like, look around what is going on around you and, like, find the people that are doing the cool shit next yeah. to you. Instead of, like, how do I work with Skrillex? Like, right. who's going to be the next Skrillex that you probably, like, go to school with or, like, work with or something like that and yep. just ride with them? I mean. Who knows what could happen? Because, like, honestly, when you really think about it, wouldn't it be more, be more fun to see something from the ground up than, like... It is. ...jump on and, like, be another hanger-on? You know, like, yeah. don't you want to be tell, be someone in the clique in 10 years being like, sorry, bro, you're too thirsty. <laughs> you know, like, don't you want to <laughs> Don't you want to be Glenn? Yeah. I'm just go. saying, you got to enjoy the process because once you get to the, the goal, everyone just talks about how fun it was getting there. Exactly. You know? Like, exactly. it's still fun. Yeah. I think exactly. it's still fun. You yeah. know? Absolutely. And that's, that's what's yeah. most important. Yeah, and well, you guys are... Still making it fun. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, sharing all that with us. That was super fun. Uh, had a great time. Yeah. Glenn, all this noise. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>